Please stand with me for the reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapters 5 and 6. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought down their boats to land, they left everything behind and followed him. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, among whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Sometimes I find the line between the ordinary and the bizarre to be so very thin. There are things that we do and we say every day which are normal to us only because we act like they're normal, which can become bizarre or laughable with just the slightest change in perspective. Children point these things out often when they ask questions we never would have or make comments that take us off guard. A three-year-old can call eyebrows eye mustaches, and we will never look at eyebrows the same way again. Comedians entertain us by showing us just for a moment how daily life is sometimes absurd. Like how somebody mailing a fruit basket can be a nice gift, but mailing somebody fruit with no basket is somehow just unacceptable. It only takes a moment to realize how bizarre ordinary things are. And the reverse is also true. Bizarre new words and phrases can become normal after we use them once or twice, like legit or FOMO. 
I'm sure there are more recent ones than legit and FOMO, but that's when I dropped off the, <laughs> the map. Stories can go from revolutionary to boring in a matter of weeks. Miracles and jokes both become dissatisfying and anticlimactic if someone asks you to explain them. And this is definitely true of the phrase following Jesus. We as Christians talk all the time about Jesus calling us, about picking up crosses, about following in his footsteps. And it's bizarre, really. This guy lived and died and lived again 2,000 years ago in a place most of us will never visit and asked his disciples to do things most of us wouldn't do. Leave your family behind to become homeless with me. Uh, go into the next village and preach the message that might get you run out of town. If it does, here's what you do. Sell everything you have. Stick around while I get arrested and executed. Then keep sticking around for when it's your turn. It's bizarre, but we act like it's normal, so it feels normal. But we have these stories about Jesus actually physically calling people, and they are wild stories. Jesus is a fish-whispering, party-crashing, demon-chasing, leper-hugging revolutionary from the backcountry, getting people to sign up for his new movement. But somehow, once we read the stories in church a couple of times, it's just not a big deal. It's weirdly normal. Today, we're going to look more at these three crazy stories about Jesus calling his first followers and see what they can possibly mean for us following him in our very normal lives. First is the call of Simon Peter. In the book of Luke, this is actually the second story with Peter in it. The first is in chapter 4, when Jesus heals Peter's mom of a fever, or his mother-in-law. There's some more healing, demon slaying and preaching, and we see Jesus again with crowds pressed up against him, waiting to hear the word of God from him. They're not in the synagogue or an amphitheater. They're in the streets, by the docks. So Jesus improvises a teaching platform. He asks Peter to row his boat out from land so Jesus can preach from there. Peter is, in a way, culturally compelled to return Jesus a favor after the healing of his mother-in-law. So Peter takes him out on his boat, even though he's exhausted. Fishermen on the Lake of Gennesaret almost always worked nights, and this is still the case, actually. Um, during the day, it gets hot, so most of the fish hide under rocks or gather around cool freshwater springs or inlets. They're much more active at night. The fish are also easier to catch at night because they don't see the net. You can put out a small boat into shallow water, wait a bit, cast a wide weighted net over a shoal of fish, and then haul them in. Fishermen did sometimes drag a net between two boats over deep water, but it was hot, heavy work with less return. You had to know where the fish congregated, get there before your competitors, have a bigger crew, and work quickly. You could do it, but it seems like Peter and his colleagues preferred shallow water night fishing. So Peter was already tired when Jesus asked for, for a favor, but he agreed. They went out. Jesus preached. Peter was extra ready to call it a day. Then Jesus told him to go out into deep water and let out the nets again. And Peter calls Jesus 
epistates, which means teacher, but can also mean boss or chief. It's like, you're the boss. <laughs> he tries to explain to Jesus, this land-bound rabbi, that they were done fishing for the day. Like, we just packed up. But in the end, Peter reluctantly agrees to humor him. Then they get this impossible, career-changing catch of fish. Peter and the others in the boat wave to their co-workers to come haul in the net, which they're worried is going to break. Both ships nearly sink under the load. It's a bizarre, miraculous moment, a fabulous display of power and blessing. Peter falls on his knees and speaks like the prophet Isaiah in the presence of the Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And now he calls Jesus Kyrios, or Lord, and everyone waits to see what will happen. Jesus tells him not to be afraid and calls him into a new line of work, catching people, following Jesus, inviting others along. James and John are there too. They wrap up their work and also decide to follow him. When Jesus calls Peter, James, and John, he doesn't come up to them like a stern, commanding, authoritarian ruler. He could do that. He tells demons to shut their mouths, and they do. He tells fish where to gather, and they do it. Instead, he walks into a tired moment of their normal life and asks for a favor. Can I use your boat? He asks. Then he asks them to do something just a bit crazy. <laughs> I know you're tired, but just try it. Let's see how it goes. Then he meets them with this miracle. And following the miracle is an invitation. Do you want to see what's next? Peter, James, and John also accept the invitation. The call to follow Jesus rarely comes as a command. It comes on a normal day, in a tired moment, as a favor, a bizarre request, an invitation. The story of Jesus calling Matthew, here called Levi, is in some ways similar, and in some ways very different. It's less miraculous and more scandalous. This story also takes place when Matthew is at work on what was probably an ordinary day for him. But what Matthew did for work was nothing like what Peter, James, and John did for work. They were men with calloused hands, disappointing night shifts, and years of experience smelling like fish guts. Matthew was a tax collector, a coin-counting, ledger-keeping, semi-educated man with a comfortable job working for a government that many people had hard feelings about. Being a tax collector made him nobody's favorite person. If Peter and Matthew ever interacted before Jesus brought them together, it probably was not something Peter really looked forward to. Jesus walks up to him and jumps straight to the invitation. Follow me, he says, and Matthew is all about it. It's like he's just been sitting there in his booth waiting to be asked, but never expecting it to actually happen to him. Peter was called in baby steps and won over by a miracle. Matthew was called in a moment and persuaded just by being invited. These are already two very different ways of being called 
two very different journeys following the same Jesus. So Matthew goes home and puts on a huge party, inviting all of his friends, other tax collectors, disreputable folks of all kinds, and it's a very public affair. Matthew's call is not the private, quiet conversion of someone silently raising their hand in a room full of other religious folks with their eyes closed. It's a party with a big banner that reads, Jesus called me and he's at my house right now. The religious authorities are scandalized by the whole thing. Why do you eat and drink with these people? They ask Jesus. Don't you know whose house you're in? Who do you think I would eat and drink with? He claps back. I haven't come to call righteous people, but to call sinners to repentance. Picking Matthew to be on his team was controversial. It was scandalous, and Jesus could not care less. The call to follow Jesus rarely comes to the people who are expecting it. It comes out of nowhere, with no regard for reputation or religious regulation. It comes as a scandalous surprise party. Peter, James, John, and Matthew are not the only people Jesus called. In the last reading from today, we read about the 12 apostles that Jesus handpicked for a certain kind of calling. And even they were not the only followers. There were other men who were with Jesus and the 12 from the beginning. There were also many women who make up a crucial part of Jesus' ministry before and after his death. Jesus is doing something particular by calling these 12 and naming them apostles. But he's not building an exclusive executive followers club or reinforcing patriarchy. Instead, he's symbolically making a new start for the nation of Israel. More to the point, he's making himself a new Israel. Jacob, also called Israel, had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the heads of 12 tribes. This family unit was the beginning of a new nation. Jesus handpicks 12 men to be the first generation of a new Israel, one which would draw on everything God had already done for and spoken to his people and which would bring his good news and healing to the nations. There's no committee meeting, no application process, no set of minimum and preferred qualifications, no way making Jesus lean one way to the other. It's just Jesus praying through the night to the Father and selecting a group to be filled and sent by the Spirit. And his choices sound like the opening of a comedy series. We've already talked about Peter, James, and John, the working-class fishermen with no teaching experience and probably zero formal education. Peter's brother Andrew also comes on board. And then there's Matthew, the ledger-keeping party-throwing tax collector that we talked about. Philip, the guy whose family was so Greek, he's named after Alexander the Great's father. Bartholomew, who somehow doesn't do anything to catch the attention of the other disciples or gospel authors ever. Thomas, who mostly stands out by consigning himself to die with Jesus and being one of the last ones to believe in the resurrection. Another James, 
Simon, who is a zealot, when you see zealot, read member of a radical nationalist group who advocates for the use of force to oppose the Roman Empire and its collaborators. In other words, somebody who might make Matthew lock his doors at night. Another Judas, and Judas Iscariot, who in the end leads the mob that comes to arrest Jesus in the night. These are the people Jesus picked to embody his vision for a new Israel. It is clear that he did not ask any of their opinions about this lineup, and equally clear that he wanted poor and rich, literate and illiterate, traditional Jewish Jews and less traditional Greek Jews, people who worked for the empire and people who stabbed people who worked for the empire, people who stood out and spoke up and people who followed quietly and faithfully, people who would die with him and even people who would betray him. The call to follow Jesus is for every kind of person. Jesus is bizarre because he builds his kingdom on the most ordinary people. Jesus makes calling the most bizarre people an ordinary part of his kingdom. And Jesus never, ever asks anyone else's opinion about who he will call next. Sometimes it sounds insane to say it this way, but Jesus still calls us to follow him today. The Holy Spirit is hard at work whispering into the hearts of ordinary people as they go about their days. I think we are so accustomed to dramatic moments of change in the lives of movie characters that we are sometimes deaf to the whispers of the Spirit, the whisper of Jesus. We imagine Luke Skywalker finding his family blasted by stormtroopers with a mysterious desert hermit as his only companion, or Spider-Man being bitten by a spider and waking up with powers he doesn't understand, or Bilbo having a wizard and a band of dwarves raid his cupboards. We sometimes want something so dramatic and unmistakable. But I think sometimes it is just the word of Jesus in our hearts or in the scriptures saying, try this little thing. Follow this crazy, tiny impulse to do things my way. See what happens. A favor a bizarre request, a miracle, an invitation. And sometimes it is even more ordinary than that. And there is no miracle involved. Sometimes it is enough that the person who is normally derided by religious leaders is suddenly being chosen to become a rabbi student. Just being noticed, just being asked, can be enough to start someone on the journey of following Jesus. Jesus calls all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. How might he be calling you this week? May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may you know that he is gracious towards you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you. And may he bring you peace. So go. Go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And serve the world. And serve each other. And serve the Lord joyfully. <laughs>